Let's pray. Holy Spirit, empower us to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Give us attentive ears and longing souls. Speak through Psalm 71 that our posture may match the posture of the psalmist, that our lives may be a witness of your good work and refuge. Use me as I speak. I need your help. Amen. Good morning, New Life Church. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. We're jumping into Psalm 71 this morning. How do you view old age? Is it simply a necessary chapter in the mortal story that only goes one direction? Perhaps like Cicero, you have an optimistic look at old age. Maximize enjoyment until the flame is extinguished. Or perhaps you catch the view of our modern zeitgeist. Youth has been spent, so now the old are walking, wishing they were young. Or even a more morbid formulation, the old should be expendable when compared to the young. Because we can measure economic output or enjoyment, and we have a formula, and clearly dignity has diminishing returns. I speak facetiously, if not derisively. We need not run to the world for our proper posture. What is your posture in old age? The increase of your days. Old or young, how do you hope and pray to be postured when your remaining days are outnumbered by your lived days? This morning in Psalm 71, we get to steep in the posture of an aged mature believer in the one true God. The psalmist is likely David and a David at the end of his life with gray in his hair and age in his bones when the amount of his days that he has lived is far more than the days he has left. When the prospect of new experiences or relationships or memories are in contrast to the vast repository of life that he has already lived. And in this chapter of his life, he does not spend time trying to figure out how to recapture youth or maximize his pleasure or just check out because life has already been lived, but instead leans in prayerful posture to God. The Lord's righteous deeds are praised and rested in throughout the totality of a mature believer's life. This morning will be a high-level pass through this psalm, and I want you to look for three things. I want you to notice three occurring motifs, a reference to age, a reference to life, and also language that describes or promises praise to God, and finally the posture of the singer in relationship to God. With these three things at the forefront, it will help us together, regardless of your age, to praise and rest in the Lord's righteous deeds throughout the totality of our lives. Let's start with the first section, verses 1 through 6, where he explains that God is my refuge and foundation since the beginning. I'll read. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. 
The psalmist here is experiencing some kind of difficulty, some stress, some trial. We don't know the specifics, but there are likely relationships that are out to get him, to shame him, to attack him, to embattle him. And the first things out of his mouth in this song is to ask the Lord for refuge. We talked about this the last couple weeks. I can take control of my own situation, but we who have, we have relationship with the saving, rescuing God of the Bible. And rather than try to take control, rather than try to make his own way, the psalmist runs first to the Lord for refuge. Protect me, save me, deliver me. There are many other things we can take refuge in, and I know they have all tempted you in different ways. But this mature believer does not waste his time hoping for respite in them. The Lord is his saving place, delivering, rescuing place. God is a rock in the midst of the storm, a foundation in the midst of the hurricane, a fortress in the midst of chaos, and a bastion of truth in the midst of confusion. And the psalmist, this mature, aged believer, knows the Lord enough that running to him is the start of his response. Do not let me be put to shame. I am putting my security in you first, Lord. What is your first place of refuge? Let's ponder that. What, when things get hairy, when things get stressful, where do you go? When you need a place of protection, where do you run? Anything that supersedes the triune God of the Bible needs to be relegated to a different place. Do you run to money or your wit or your own strength or your influence? Do you run towards a system, to politics, to organizations, to social media, to ideology, to the crowd, whatever it is? The psalmist runs to Yahweh, the Lord first. He says, bend your ear to me. Listen to me, Lord. Posture yourself to hear me. This is prayer. This is real prayer. Oh, if we were an instinctively praying people. Oh, if we acted out of prayerful life rather than tack it on as a necessary accessory. Friends, let us pray together. Take the invite for the next 40 days. Let us run to God together. Let us talk to God together. Let us ask together that he would bend his ear to us. Because we can't handle what's going on. These are the words of a confident man of prayer. He says, listen to me. You have rescued me before. Rescue me again. And he continues. Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope. My trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. This old man rehearses his life and can see the times the Lord has worked and moved and rescued. So again, I will request, rescue me. Because you are my hope. Rescue me. You are my trust. And you have been my trust since I was wet behind the ears. When I did not have the experience to justify my confidence. When your goodness and kindness had not yet been tested by the circumstances of my life. But now it has. And I call on you to rescue again. 
with the benefit of age, he can look back and see that he has always leaned on the Lord, even when he didn't know he was leaning. When he was maturing in his mother's womb, it was God on whom he leaned. It was God who sustained. It was God who took him from his mother's womb. In the Hebrew, this word has the idea of pushing. God is the pusher at birth. He can look back and say, there is no time in the past where I have been independent of your interaction, O God. Self-sustaining aside from your grace. This is wisdom, friends. This is mature believer. And his proper response, the proper response, is praise. My praise is continually of you. I see that you have been good and righteous. I call on you to be good and righteous, and I will praise you. I will laud your name. I will make known your goodness. I will praise. I will sing. I will extol. There's age. There is praise. There is posture all throughout this psalm. In the next section, in 7 through 11, he says, God, you are my strength in the midst of conspirators. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. This is a wise response, a battle-tested response. In the midst of conflict, he is a portent, a sign, a mark to those who wish him ill. Oh, look at that guy. He is a fool. He is the one who follows Yahweh. He sings praises to the Lord. Look at that guy. And with an earshot, he says, you are my strong refuge. I want to go bash noses, but the psalmist takes his refuge in the Lord. What have you to prove when your refuge is in the Lord? My reputation. You rest in the God of the universe. My correct opinion. You sit with the God of truth. What about my rights? You have the freedom of the presence of Christ. I want the crowd to think well of me. You have affection of the redeeming one. Why fear man? Sit in him as a refuge like this mature believer does. He continues, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. We're back to praise. But the psalmist here is not a pie-in-the-sky kind of guy. His responses are not uninfluenced by his mind or his broken emotion. His trust is not perfect, but he knows who to talk to when he doubts. He continues in 9, Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. It's as though he says, I know you showed up when I was young. You answered prayer when I was young, but I am old now. Will you still hold me? I am not strong like I was. I am not a vessel like I was. Will you still use me? Will you still shield and protect me? Friends, when you doubt the goodness and faithfulness of God, do not fear. That is, that is okay. But run to God with that doubt. Talk to Him. 
Pray to Him urgently, doubtfully if you must, but talk to Him about your doubts. There are plenty of people, enemies, that want to exploit that doubt, confirm that doubt, exacerbate that doubt. God has forsaken Him. Yours is a weak God. Yours is a bad God. Is there even a God? You believe this? These are the voices of enemies, conspirators who do not want your best, who do not have your best in mind. They seek instead to steal the glory of God, to steal your joy. They are your enemies. They may call you friend. They may be an acquaintance or family or coworker. The attack may be in your mind. That may be the devil himself accusing you. They are not for you. God is for you. God is with you. He is a refuge and joy like they will never be. Talk to God about your doubts. He can handle them. And this psalmist models that posture. Do not cast me off. Forsake me not. Those connected to the Lord can hear his response. He said it in the Torah, in the Pentateuch, he says it in Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the God to whom you are connected. The aged believer runs to the Lord for that assurance. He continues in the next section, 12 through 16, he says, God, be close to me amidst the accusers. In 12, O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered. This weathered believer is not afraid to address God with urgency, with boldness, with confidence, because this believer knows the righteous God. Because this believer knows the good God. The one who will act, the one who has been a refuge and who will be a refuge. God is a God who will act. There is also a confidence to the request for the rebuke of his enemies. Put my accusers to shame. Turn their actions against them. We just talked about this with 70 and 69. The mature believer has the understanding to put the action into the hands of God. These accusers seek to put me to shame. They seek to scorn the name of my God, my Lord, you, Yahweh. Turn it against them. Show up for your name's sake. Confidence and boldness in speaking to God comes from experience. And it is being modeled for us here in this psalm. I won't lean into the words of this because we've just looked at the posture in other psalms, but I will say that if you are an experienced Christian a weathered believer, an aged saint. And you can approach the Lord confidently because your experience has proved Him faithful. Please do not keep that private. Model that for us. Give us reason to trust all the more the God who shows up, who acts, who does good. Show us the posture of prayer that is right and good for that type of God, our God. And young friends, you less weathered, when you see those fellow Christians pray that way, get close to them. Watch them. See them live in this posture. Learn their gait. 
study their pace, emulate their walk. Those steps pray boldly for rescue. And those steps run toward praise. He continues, But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. This sits as almost a vow. Put to shame my accusers. I will ask for that boldly and unashamedly, and I will praise you more and more. My response to your rescue will be praise, Lord. This is not horse trading. This is not quid pro quo. This is preemptively telling God that you will have the appropriate response to his work. This aged believer, his desire is when under attack, when in the midst of accusers, his desire is to run to God for rescue and help. And this aged believer desires to tell of God's righteous acts. He has old acts for which he can praise the Lord, but he desires to proclaim more deeds of salvation for today. It's as though he is saying, protect me, rescue me, because I want to proclaim to the world that my God in this clear and present danger has rescued me. He has been good and gracious, and I want to tell the world about it. It's as though he's saying, I can rehearse God's righteous acts when he showed up 20 years ago. 40 years ago, 60 years ago. I can tell that story, and I will tell that story. I can tell the story how he interjected into my family 25 years ago and brought gospel, or how he provided 10 years ago. But all of those are old stories. They don't have the punch that a story would have that happened today, that happened in my present circumstances. I will tell those old stories, but I want to tell new stories of rescue and salvation. Please show up. God, give me reason to praise you again today. I want new verses to the songs. New refrains to follow the choruses. I want epilogues that can be amended to my story. I want more reasons to proclaim your righteous deeds. And I love here that he says, your righteous acts, your deeds, their number is past my knowledge. I can't count the number attached to your righteous deeds. I'm going to talk about it all day long. I want to proclaim even more. I don't even know how many you have already done, and I want more because I know that that sits with the character of our God. It is clear in this psalm that righteousness is not simply a character trait, We often talk about God's righteousness that is imputed to us through the work of Jesus or the atonement. That is status or goodness that is shared and applied to us. But here righteousness is not simply character. God's righteousness is seen in action. God's righteousness is not abstract. It is displayed in action, in acts, in deeds, in past ways of showing up to rescue and save. And this psalm anticipates future ways he will show up and rescue and save. God's righteousness is seen in the things that He has done. His righteousness propagates goodness, mends brokenness, judges injustice, dispenses mercy. 
this gray-haired believer does not just sit in the character of God's righteousness. He comes proclaiming the deeds of the Lord. And when old believers come reminding of God's righteousness, they are proclaiming how God has shown up. Shown up in the past, shows up in the present, and will show up in the future. Friends, my my gray-haired friends, tell us the story of how God has flexed. Tell us the story about how God has worked His righteousness. The God at work in your 60-year-old stories is unchanged today. And we have all the more reason to depend on Him when we hear how He worked then and now. Tell us those stories. He continues in the next section, 17 through 19, and basically says, God, teach me that I may teach another generation. He says, Oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. See the age piece here again. From my youth you have shown me your righteousness. You have taught me your goodness. You have shown me your righteous deeds, and still, still I proclaim your wondrous deeds. I don't know the number. I know the number of years, and even as they have increased, my ability to proclaim your wondrous deeds has not diminished. That is the God we serve, my friends. His righteousness is not a flash in the pan. His reason for glory is not limited to a moment or an altar call or an emotional moment. Our God is the author of righteousness and unparalleled in His reasons for praising. The mature believer is not straining to remember. What is it that God did? There was that one thing a while back. Let me, let me see if I can remember. I, I know there's a reason to sing. Just give me a moment. That's, that's not what the mature believer says. The mature believer says, From my youth you have taught me, and still I proclaim your wondrous deeds. Ours is not a God of diminishing returns. Ours is not a God who lacks luster. Ours is not a God who loses his pizzazz after a couple years. And and if that is your feeling, perhaps you have shut your eyes or cut yourself off from seeing his righteous and wondrous deeds. Pray that God would show up and show you. Put yourself deeper into his community. Talk to God. Say, bend your ear to me. Hear me. Because God has not stopped working. Even now, God has not stopped working. And the mature believer says, I still proclaim. 18, so even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Do not let go of me, O God. Even as my hair goes gray or goes away, even when the stupid culture around me says, my youth is spent, so why are you still around? This is a vibrant prayer. This is not a pity party prayer. He says, do not let go of my life on this earth until I proclaim your might to another generation. Your power to all those to come. This aged believer is close to the end but says, not yet. Not until I can proclaim your might. Not until I can tell of the strength of your arm. Not until I tell the next generation that you are a God that shows up and wields power and majesty. 
Let me tell them that you are a God that saves kings and rescues nations. Let me tell them that you are a God that curbs famine and brings the rain. Let me tell them that you have your eyes on the widows and the orphans, the oppressed and the broken. Let me tell them that you have reconciled families and broke addiction. Let me tell them that you have changed hearts. Let me tell them of the ways you have provided when we thought all hope was lost. And let me tell them of how you showed up when we thought the cancer would win or the disease would run rampant. Let me tell them how you saved the ones we thought unreachable. Your might is great and your power is unfathomable. Do not let my breath expire until I can tell the ones who come after me. Let me teach them in their youth. Friends, you have stories that echo with the power I just mentioned. Please tell the stories. Please proclaim the might of the Lord. His power to all those to come. Let this church, this community of believers be a place where righteous deeds, the righteous deeds of the Lord are told and retold, expounded and proclaimed. What is the church if not the community that tells and retells the stories of the greatness of the Lord? That's what we are. We are evidence that God works and moves and has not stopped working and moving. Tell the stories. Tell the stories that the generation that comes may hear them. He continues, Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. Your deeds reach up to the skies. Your, what wondrous love is this? Your acts stack to the cosmos. And this well-worn believer praises you who have done great things, O God, who is like you? No one. What an example, a posture that teaches us to trumpet only the greatest above anything else. Who is like God? No one. What is like God? Nothing. Pray for this posture. Pray for this desire that your entire soul would be exhaled toward the end of proclaiming the goodness of God to those who do not yet know the stories. Of proclaiming the saving work of God. He continues in the final section. God, you will return life to me and I will praise. Verse 20. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. Can you hear the history there? The years of story, of pain and trouble, of difficulty and stress, of life event after life event of battle after battle, in war or not, conflict after conflict, suffering after suffering. This is an unabashed view of life. Yes, I can look all the way back to my youth and God, you have made me see troubles, many troubles. But again and again and again, you revived me. Again and again and again, you picked me up off the dirt. And I trust in your constancy, in your consistency, 
you will pick me up. Even if I fall to the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will comfort me again. The old believer knows this, if only by sheer volume. You will show up again. You always have. You always will. Your character has not shifted or wobbled. Your mind, your decision to be good towards me, to posture yourself towards me, your will to flex your righteous deeds in my view has not changed. You will comfort me again. Can you hear the old, old story? It's as though the memorization of God's character in the mind of the psalmist has occurred in the past, as if by benevolent rote. Repeated proclamation first, perhaps on uncertain ears of youth, but eventually on ears that begin to recognize the sound of the melody of God's character. Until in old age, he can sing along with the character of the Lord and say, I know how this song ends. I know this tune. You will comfort me again. Age has proven it. Of course my response will be praise. Let me sing along to this song of God's character. And he sings, I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. This is the posture of a mature believer in the God of the Bible. This is a refrain of the one who knows the song and rests in the righteous deeds of the Lord. Age and praise, posture of praise. The hope of the mature believer is in this psalm. And the hope of the mature believer is not just that troubles will be traversed in this life, but that this life, this 80, 90, 100 years, is not the spectrum of our hope applied. He says, You have made me see. You have made me see many troubles and calamities. You will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. Perhaps, perhaps the psalmist did not know the extent of the truth that he sung here. But the words here reverberate through Scripture. And what began as a slight melody in this psalm crescendos into a mighty symphony. Further along in this book, in 1 Corinthians, a different mature believer says, For I have delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Can you hear the symphony? There is another who went to the ground, who fell. There is another who went to the depths of the earth, the grave itself. And there is another Christ the Lord who was revived again, increasing in greatness and glory. Friends, this is the ultimate act of the righteousness of our God. He continues, but in fact, Christ 
has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. And friends, the mature believer says, even if I go down to the depths of the earth, you, O oh God, will bring me up again. Even if the dirt is placed over my grave, you will increase my greatness and comfort me again because the righteous acts of the Lord do not terminate on this mortal life. The righteous deeds of the Lord proclaim that the resurrected life is in our future. The posture of this psalm is of one who has pinned his hope to his relationship to God practicing and rehearsing his righteous deeds throughout the extent of his days, not as a self-help mechanism to positive thinking, but as a means of aligning his life, this unfortunately short life, to the resurrected life. Our lives are lives of practice for the resurrected life. The mature believer, when age is knocking on the door, does not close his eyes on his life as an end of a story, but as the beginning that gray hair and loss of strength are not the end of the story, but a mark of the beginning when God, the righteous one, the resurrecting one, will increase greatness, will comfort again. When God will comfort again forevermore. When we will forever be able to live with resurrected bodies never encumbered by weariness or trouble, weakness or pain, Old bodies will be resurrected as strong bodies. Tired bodies will be rested bodies. And those bodies will be postured, ever able to proclaim and praise the righteousness of God. As we practiced here amongst the community that recited the deeds of the Lord, we will sing forever. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O oh my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O oh Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. That is our hope. That is the posture of a mature believer who rests in the righteous deeds of the Lord. Friends, Christians, believers, this morning we have the opportunity to take communion. Communion is a grace, a gift. Jesus gave us as a physical means of reminding ourselves of the righteous work he did, of his righteous deeds. He gave us the bread and the cup as a way of remembering and experiencing the goodness of his death on our behalf. The bread as his body for us, the cup as his blood for us. And it was given to us as a practice of the church until Jesus returns to initiate the resurrection until he returns to comfort us again, to bring us and increase us in our greatness. If you belong to Jesus and hold his death and resurrection as your own, then this portion of the service is for you to participate with us. If you do not yet attach yourself to Jesus, this would be a great time to talk with him. Pray, ask him to help you understand his righteous work on the cross. Ask God to be your refuge. 
Ask Jesus to apply His righteous deeds to you. Ask Jesus to rescue you and save you. He will. Please ready your elements as I read from 1 Corinthians. And we will take it together. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this reminder of your death and also your resurrection and also your future coming, which corresponds to our resurrection. Lock our eyes onto a hope that is attached to you, your righteous work in our relationship with you. For my friends whose hair is graying or gone, press them all the more into this posture. Bring your goodness of the past into their minds and show them again and again how you work and are a refuge. For my friends who do not even see old as an adjective in their vocabulary, give them this posture. Let this be their posture in the future. Teach them from their youth of your righteousness. Give them ears to listen to those who have consistent stories of God being a refuge. And may all of us together anticipate the coming resurrection. May we be a people of hope in the midst of difficulty. Amen.